The Taiwan History Podcast from Mosa Files is made possible through the generous sponsorship of the Frank C. Chen Foundation. Formosa Files. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of Formosa Files. So, the end of another year draws close. It's time to wish everybody some seasonal joy. So, Merry Constitution Day. Okay, let's explain. December 25th used to be a public holiday in Taiwan, but it wasn't to celebrate Christmas, at least not officially. It was Constitution Day. Well, it still is Constitution Day. Ah, uh, correct. It's just that it's no longer a day off for everyone. When Taiwan changed to a five-day work week back in the year 2001, some public holidays were taken away. Starting in 2001, Constitution Day, while still noted on calendars, was no longer a public holiday. December 25 had been chosen as a public holiday because the Constitution of the Republic of China was passed on December 25, 1946, and it came into effect on December 25, 1947. Do you know when the holiday started? It was first designated as a national holiday in 1963. 1963. Any particular significance to that year with regard to, I don't know, Christmas or the Constitution? Not that I know of. There were a lot of American military personnel here in Taiwan at the time. Maybe the holiday was in part for them. Hmm. And Chiang Kai-shek, his wife Song Meilin, his son Zhang Jingguo, they were all Christians. So maybe another possible reason? Yes, yes. Uh, there really wasn't uh, much reason for celebrating the ROC constitution, though, in 1963. Uh, the country was under hard authoritarian rule. It's a one-party state under martial law, all opposition suppressed. On paper, the ROC was a democracy, but the government were not living up to the promises of the Constitution. Right. It, it was meant to fulfill the promise of Dr. Sun Yat-sen's three principles of the people. One of those principles being democracy, you know, as in a constitutional government. Anyway, if we go back to 1946, just after World War II, and the nationalists in China are drawing up the Constitution... Okay, here, I've got a quote from Professor David Fell. Quote, Under the 1947 Constitution, the Republic of China's political system incorporated elements of imperial Chinese origin and both Western parliamentary and presidential democracy. To a large extent, it was modeled on that of the Weimar Republic in Germany. The Weimar Republic, which ran from after World War I to 1933, when a certain angry failed artist from Austria was elected. Um, I'm, 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 I'm struggling to find his name. Oh, yes, Hitler. Mm, Hitler and the Nazis. Yeah. China was like post-World War I Germany, a country in need of economic and political rebuilding. But the Constitution was never properly implemented because of the Chinese Civil War. Six months after coming into effect, the newly elected National Assembly, they ratified the temporary provisions against the Communist Rebellion. These temporary provisions were a state of emergency measure granting the KMT extra constitutional powers. 
Mmm, love that phrase, extra constitutional powers. So in the original constitution, for example, the president could serve no more than two six-year terms, but the temporary provisions removed that limit. So Chiang Kai-shek and later his son would be presidents for life. Yeah, those provisions didn't turn out to be that temporary, did they? No, 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 not unless you count four decades as a temporary. So finally repealed in 1991, uh, that would be four years after the lifting of martial law. Yeah, it took long enough. The result of the democracy movement and also Father Time taking his toll on the National Assembly members. Father Time, yes. The delegates who had been elected to office back in 1947, they were still in office, but they're aging and quickly passing away. The constitution had been designed for the entire territory of China, not just Taiwan. The reality of that change was not reflected in constitutional changes. So these delegates were representing long lost provinces in the PRC. So, you know, we had a guy sitting in an office in Taiwan representing Sichuan and another guy, Sandong, and you know, and they had very little to do. <laughs> yeah. They'd get rolled out ever so often and rubber stamp the election of Chiang Kai-shek or his son as president, you know, but other than that. <laughs> nice work if you can get it. Yeah. But in the early 1990s, uh, various changes were made, uh, including allowing for the direct election of the president and some other positions. Yeah, and then eventually we got rid of the Taiwan governor. But in overall, Taiwan had a peaceful transition. By the end of the 1990s, it was a democracy. You know, a fledgling democracy, but a democracy. First free direct presidential election in 1996, and first peaceful transfer of power in the year 2000. And yet that old 1947 constitution was amended, not replaced. And so there were still some... What to call them? Uh, quirks? <laughs> You're thinking of Mongolia, right? Yes. The independent country of Mongolia, not the Chinese province known as the Inner Mongolia Autonomous Region. I lived in Mongolia in the mid-90s, and at that time, the, the ROC continued to show Mongolia as part of its territory on official maps. Now, they continued that up until 2002, when the ROC recognized Mongolia as, a, as an independent country. And yeah, informal relations were established between the two sides. Oh, how nice of us, 2002. Just 91 years after Mongolia first declared independence. And it was only in 2017 when the Mongolian and Tibetan Affairs Commission was disbanded. Okay, so these are interesting stories, but we won't go into that more deeply now as we have upcoming episodes on these topics. Indeed. Getting back to the ROC Constitution, a basic knowledge of it, at least the workings of government, is a requirement for gaining Taiwanese citizenship. Eric, I'm going to test your knowledge to give you a citizenship test. Okay, so I would be becoming a citizen of the Republic of China if I pass this, yeah? Yes, yes. Okay. Are you ready for the ROC test for foreigners seeking Taiwanese citizenship? Yeah, but okay, this is a test of knowledge. It, are you going to also give me a language test? Not in our case, but the, yeah, the original doubles as a language test. And the real test can be taken either as a written one, multiple choice questions in Chinese, or as an oral test. Okay, so you do have to take this in Chinese. Yeah, or the oral test can be done in Taiwanese, Hakka too, or an indigenous language. Interesting. Okay, an indigenous language. 
I wonder if anyone's ever chosen that option. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if anyone uh, could uh, do the test, you know, be the... Okay, if anyone has any info on that, please let us know. That's an interesting little sidebar there. Both the written and oral test consist of 20 questions, and they're selected at random from a predefined pool of around 230 questions. Okay, so if you're studying for the test, basically you can memorize the questions. It's part of an ancient tradition of rote learning. China, the birthplace of examinations. (laughs) You said 20 questions. How many do I need to get right to become a citizen? There are different pass rates for different people, uh, 50 to 70%, depending on your situation. That's weird. So like some for overseas Chinese, Hmm. some for, is that how we're talking about? Uh, if you're old, if you're older, it's a, a lower pass rate. And, uh, <laughs> I see. If you're married as well, <laughs> I see. Okay. All right. Uh, let's start. But are you going to play fair? Are you choosing these at random? Of course not. But don't <laughs> worry. You're not going to be embarrassed. Some of these questions are a bit dry, a little too easy. Like, how often is the president of our country elected? Uh, every four years. Same for mayors and legislators. Right. So to spice things up on top of 20 legitimate questions, I will throw in a few bogus questions of my own invention. Uh, You can call these out when you think you hear them. Okay. I am ready. Bring it on. Question one. According to the Constitution of the ROC, at what age do citizens have the right to vote? That would be the age of 20. We not long ago had a referendum, tried to get that down to 18, but it failed. 20. 20, correct. Next, according to the civil code, at what age is a person considered an adult? Or, in other words, at what age can you drink alcohol? (laughs) Important. That would be 18. You can see it on various adult beverages. Yes. Question three, what is the pattern of the national flag? Red background, white sun in the upper left corner, surrounded by a blue sky. And there are some good stories behind that flag. We did a whole episode on the ROC flag in season three. Season three, I checked it, episode 13. And there's also a YouTube video of it with a transcript. Mm -hmm. Now, seeing as you know so much about the flag, here's another one. Question. Does respecting the national flag mean respecting the country? Uh, okay. Is this one of your questions? No, no. So clearly, then, the answer they want is yes. Yes. Next, can you name one of the main basic rights that the Constitution grants to citizens? Sure. Freedom of speech. But there are so many to choose from. There's freedom of movement, freedom of religion freedom of assembly and association, uh, political participation rights, the right to vote, and um, quite a few others. Yeah, I love the freedoms we have here. Yeah, arguably the freest country in Asia. Question six. The Republic of China has five branches in its central government. Please name one of the five branches you know. Okay, the legislative yuan which is like uh, parliament in other democracies. The word yuan means government branch or court. Uh, Just out of interest, do you know the other four branches of government? 
Ooh, okay. There's the executive yuan, the judicial yuan, mm-hmm. the control yuan. The control yuan might need some explaining. Its main function is to serve as a watchdog institution responsible for overseeing the other branches of government. So it would be the yuan that investigates public officials and so on. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the fifth? Okay, let me recap. We mentioned the legislative yuan, uh, parliament, the executive yuan, you know, executive, judicial yuan, so courts, and the control yuan. The final one would be... The uh, examination, the examination yuan. Oh, yeah, the examination yuan. Uh, how culturally Chinese is that? Yeah, they do have a very long tradition of exams. The imperial civil service exams go back over a thousand years. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what the examination yuan is all about. The examination yuan is not writing exams for school students. Right. That's the work of the Ministry of Education, which is under the executive yuan. The examination yuan oversees exams for civil servants. For government jobs in Taiwan, whether high positions or working as a mail carrier, uh, a prison guard, you've got an exam, you got to pass. Eric, we're coming up to a presidential election. Here's an election-related question. During an election, is it permissible to accept gifts or money from candidates? No, at least not anymore. Vote buying used to be a feature of elections (laughs) here, but has largely disappeared. And I know this firsthand. I was once in a room where somebody offered 500 NT Mm -hmm. per vote to certain other people. And this was not that long ago. So, But the answer is no, it's illegal. Yeah, I wonder about the definition of accepting gifts. Yeah, like, uh, you know, you're, you're standing on the street and you see this candidate waving and then there people are going around handing out pens or tissue paper, masks, and so on. There is a limit to the amount that you're allowed to give out. Mm-hmm. And if you give out more than that, it's considered vote buying. Okay. Question eight. According to the civil code, do both daughters and sons have inheritance rights? Inheritance rights, yes. By traditional custom, it's not so clear. By law, does that override wills, though? Sorry, I'm not sure enough to uh, pass comment. Okay. Next question. Can you privately own firearms for your own safety? Firecrackers, yes, but firearms, no. Very strict here. (laughs) Yes. Speaking of guns, here's question 10. Is it legal to hunt and capture protected animals such as Formosan black bears, pangolins, and leopard cats? Hunting the Formosan black bear? Of course not. (laughs) Did you spice up that question or just wholly invent it? And I suspect you added pangolin just because you like the sound of that word. No, no. It's an official question. I, I didn't change it. Hilarious. Can you hunt Taiwan endangered species? I, I saw something in the news the other day about leopard cats. I don't know if people know about these uh, slu mm-hmm. or stone tiger in, in Chinese. They're endangered, maybe 500 in the wild, they say, and they live in low elevation mountain areas. They're a little bit bigger than a house cat. A similar number of Formosan black bears, I think, but the pangolins are doing well. Okay, question 11 What is the national insect? Of Taiwan. The national insect of Taiwan. Okay, I'm smelling a stink bug. That is a fake question. Yes, fake. 
Although we should have a national insect, I think. And, um, I think countries should have an official sound. And I'd like to recommend the official sound of Taiwan be the jackhammer. <laughs> okay, on the subject of national flora and fauna, I've got some questions for you. Uh-oh. Let's see how many mm -hmm. national symbols of Taiwan you know. Okay, first one. Does Taiwan have an official chop or a seal? Yes, it must have, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, in fact, there's two. There's a national seal and then the seal of honor. The honor is for, you know, honoring, and the other one is Wait, for- Wait, on a seal? Oh, you said uh, flora and fauna. <laughs> I a mean, seal like, as in, in the ocean is quite different a from chop, a bloody you know, you know. stamp. Oh, Do we have an okay. official founder? Uh-huh, Dr. Sun Yat-sen. Official animal or national animal. Informally, uh, would that that be the black bear? But I don't think it's official. You are correct. It's unofficial. Ding, ding, ding. National bird. Oh, let me think. Um, I'll give you a I hint. I know it's, it's blue. blue. Yes. Now, it could be the one on the uh, 1000 NT, the uh, Mikado pheasant. You're right. The Mikado pheasant oh. is one, and the Taiwan blue magpie is the other one. Okay. Well done. Official national tree. Well... I'm involved uh, with camphor press, so I'm going to go with camphor tree. <laughs> Correct. However, it's unofficial. National fish. Oh, okay. I'm going back to uh, the currency again. We've, we've got the Formosan landlocked salmon on the 2000 note. So is that it? Correct. National flower. Ooh, uh, China Airlines. They've got the, the plum blossom on their uh, tail. So that, that would be it. That's right, and it was made the official flower in 1964. Official vehicle. Oh, my goodness. Uh, does, su does such a thing exist? No idea. <laughs> no, I'm making it up. Blue trucks, little blue trucks. Oh, I'm making it up. All right, <laughs> blue, of course, blue trucks, yes. Uh, anyway, we're testing you, not the other okay. way around. So next question, is it legal to smoke marijuana in Taiwan? No. Question 13. If you insult someone with offensive words like stupid or b b fatherless son, <laughs> insult someone in public due to anger, could you be charged with the crime of public insult? I'm sure some listeners must be thinking this is a trick question, but no, these cases actually get brought to court sometimes. I did an interview with American lawyer Ross Daryl Feingold, and we covered this very topic. Yeah, surprising, right? Uh, okay, question 14. How is the surname, the family name, of a newborn determined when registering the birth? I think it's flexible, but the father's family name is almost always used, as I understand it. Yes. The answer in front of me says, quote, The parents can agree in writing whether the child will take the father's or mother's surname. If there is no agreement, or the agreement cannot be reached. It will be decided by drawing lots at the household registration office. Oh, that's wild. Fun, Roll right? the dice. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Paper, scissors, stone. Okay, uh, mm -hmm, next mm -hmm. question. Are you allowed to forge or deliver your national ID to another person for fraudulent use? Oh, John, these are so difficult. I mean, you picked the hardest questions. And I think we're going to have to get Ross Feingold in for these uh, tricky legal questions. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, question 16. Is it legal to kill dogs or cats and consume their meat? No. I think that the sale of dog and cat meat was banned about two decades back, 
but they tightened the laws about five years ago to include consumption. Yes, I did a search before we started. It was 2017. Legislature approved amendments to the Animal Protection Act that uh, increased the fines for existing crimes of animal abuse and uh, banned the sales and consumption of dog and cat meat. Okay, 2017 is not that long ago. And yet it was a first in Asia. Okay, here's a travel question. Can the emergency exit doors on an airplane be opened at will? I'm going to repeat that question. Can the emergency exit doors on an airplane be opened at will? Okay, let me think. Um, they can be. What? Like, are you going to get a selfie for Instagram? It's not a... No. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> question is this? John, is that yours? Did you make that up? No. Hopefully mine wouldn't be that idiotic. Some of the answers to these questions are, are more than obvious, aren't they? Yeah, but I guess something to remember is I'm giving English translations. Got it. So the questions are also a language test, and some nervous test taker might misunderstand some of these easy ones and say, yes, you can open the airplane door and hunt for most black bears. <laughs> yeah, and some of the questions are quite detailed, like visa regulations and numbers of telephone hotlines to call for various problems. A bit boring, so I've not included them. But anyway, here's an example, a uh, question. If a national ID is lost and needs to be reported missing, which service hotline should be called? What is the hotline number? I do not know. Answer the 1996 Civil Service Hotline. 1996, okay, 1996. That would be one of those questions that needs to be prepared for. Mm -hmm. A good way to remember it would be to treat it like a date, at least for those of us who are into, you know, dates and history and stuff. 1996 was the first Democratic presidential election, um, and you needed your ID card to vote, so call 1996. Yeah, so you just need to make the mental connection, I've lost my ID, call the president. <laughs> there you go, done. Here's a similar question. If there is a need for labor law consultation or to file a complaint about a labor dispute, which phone number can be dialed? Again, I do not know. Answer, 1955 or the year 1955, if you want to match it to a historical event. Okay, 1955 in Taiwan. That would be the first Taiwan Strait crisis. Um, <laughs> that was sort of like a labor dispute. It started a year earlier. Yeah. No. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I might go with General Sun Li Ren, put under house arrest, and uh, there he would stay for 30 plus years. Well, um, if anyone had cause to phone in a complaint about his work situation and his employer, it would have been General Sun Li Ren. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. A question on military service. How many years after establishing household registration does a naturalized male citizen, aged 19 to 36, have to perform military service? I, I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, one year. But it's complicated and subject to change, right? I mean, just in the past couple of years, we've had uh, times for that all. So, you know, I don't want any Formosa Files listeners getting stopped at the airport and hauled away to boot camp because we gave them faulty advice. <laughs> Correct. Uh, next question. Do female citizens of Taiwan, even whiny ones who complain about misogyny and the patriarchy, 
do they have the obligation to perform military service? No. And just a wild guess, uh, you added to the original question? Yes. You know, I was looking into how many different countries around the world actually do require women to serve because I was under the assumption that it was only Israel. But it turns out there's like almost uh, a dozen. Some really? of them are kind oh. of, you know, authoritarian places. But yeah, I mean, the list includes places like uh, Chad, Sudan, Mozambique, uh, uh, North Korea as well. Okay. Thanks for your research into uh, female uniforms around the world. That's um, exactly what I was doing. Yes. <laughs> Next question. I've lost count. I don't know number. Anyway, is it permissible for employers to collect a deposit or withhold personal documents when hiring foreign workers? No. And I get this one. By personal documents, they're talking about like workers' passports because all through the decades, we've heard about cases where employers have, quote unquote, safeguarded their employees' passports, you know, locked them in a safe and then said work or... Mm. Yeah. Next question. After consuming alcohol, are you allowed to drive home slowly? Is that is that your own question? No. The answer is no. You're not allowed you're not allowed to drive home <laughs> quickly, slowly, or even at a medium speed. No. Yeah. Also, the consuming alcohol wording is a little too vague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Taiwan doesn't have a zero alcohol rule. There's a limit. So the entire question is faulty. Perhaps we should have a word with one of those five branches of the government. Um, perhaps the examination yuan. Good idea. Next question. How many people can the pillion seat of a motorcycle carry at most? The seat of a motorcycle. How many people? I know the answer they want would be um, <laughs> one person, aside from the, the rider or the driver, so one passenger, a total of two, but I, I must confess that I have, mm. um, for very short distances, gotten up to, to four a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Very short distances. Three, three girls and yeah. No, I wish. Well, I was thinking if they were of my your, wife, your and, two wife daughters. and daughters. Oh, <laughs> ah, yes. You were so wholesome-minded. Okay. Next one. Here's an interesting question related to health. Clearing outdoor containers of stagnant water helps prevent which disease? Dengue fever. Yes. Dengue fever is a mosquito-borne viral infection. Symptoms are a bit like malaria, but not quite that serious. But it's still nasty, like really nasty. High fever, various aches and pains. But still, I don't understand why this is in the citizenship test. Here's an environmental awareness question. Among the 10 regret-free measures for energy conservation and carbon reduction, what temperature range should air conditioning be set to? Wait, the 10 regret-free measures? Did I hear that wrong? Can you read that again, please? Among the 10 regret-free measures for energy conservation and carbon reduction, what temperature range should air conditioning be set to? <laughs> it's kind of hard to imagine, you know, you're on your deathbed and your last words are, I should have set the air con two degrees higher. Uh, my guess is like, I don't know, probably between 25 and 28. Yeah. Um, strange, isn't it? I've never heard of that uh, 10 regrets uh, thing. Um, the answer, 26 degrees to 28 degrees. Okay. Anyway, 
this citizenship test I'm giving you has gone over the required 20 questions of the real test, but there's still one more. Here we go. Question. In Taiwan, what experience has left the deepest impression on you? So this is a real question? Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, it's a long story, but put it short, I once had the honor, I guess, of saving two children's lives. They had drowned and they got pulled out of the water in uh, Penghu and I was able to do CPR and uh, both of them literally came back to life. That was pretty, pretty deep of an impression. Wow. What about you? How can I match that? Uh, I know it was quite a... Other than the time when I saved three people's lives, uh, <laughs> I just answer with one word, wife. Mm. My relationship with my wife. Then watching students grow up. Uh, I've taught quite a few students for you know about 10 years. And doing Formosa Files would be up there. Yeah, me too. Anyway, Eric, you've passed the test in flying colors. You're a citizen. Yay. Oh, no. So I have to go do military service? Yeah, because you're aged under 37, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, it's time to pack my backpack. I'm off to boot camp. Thanks for listening to Formosa Files. Happy holidays. Happy Constitution Day. And of course, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm Eric Michael Smith. I'm John Ross. Bye. <laughs>